welcome to our program. As you know, I was kidnapped for, uh, yeah, I think, almost 10 days. I was kidnapped. At least not me completely kidnapped, but um, my Instagram was kidnapped. And I think that some of you guys had the honor of uh, um, interacting with the person who kidnapped me. I didn't have any Stockholm uh, syndrome, so I didn't fall in love with them or anything like that. But, you know, I think that because the behavior of the uh, person who was uh, hacking my account on Instagram was so not typical to me, it was very easy for everybody to recognize that there's something wrong. And thanks a lot for um, uh, people that helped me retrieve it. So uh, it definitely was an interesting experience of the shadow of Mercury. So we're going to talk today. We're going to have a special edition for the shadows. Remember, we talked about it a while back when I recognized uh, the fact that um, uh, the shadows of Mercury needs to be addressed. We need to talk about it. Uh, before that, it was kind of a subject we didn't want to talk about uh, because I felt like I told you that if we're going to start taking into account all the shadows of all the planets that are recognized, the whole life or whole lifetime will be one big shadow, one shadow after the other. And we're going to be very confused about what to do, what not to do. So nowadays, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm realizing that we can't avoid talking about the shadow or what lurks in the shadow. And what lurks in the shadows are echoes. I, I see it right now like that. It's the echoes of the retrogrades that you're going to experience. So as you know, from um, May 10, in two days, we are entering the stationary period. And then we're going to go in the uh, 12, depends where you are in the world, we're going to enter the actual retrograde. Then we're going to go again into a stationary and back into the shadow. So the whole process is almost like a month and a half. But the most difficult period in the Mercury retrograde is definitely the stationary. And I always give the example of uh, the car. Mercury is the messenger, the connector, so it makes sense to use vehicles as an example of what Mercury is all about. When Mercury is retrograde, you are asked to drive your car backward or in reverse. You know, it's kind of complicated, but at least you can go from one place to the other. So if you need to go to your job or whatever, pick up your kids from school, yeah, yeah, driving back is kind of weird and it's terrible on the neck. Neck is Taurus, by the way, and Mercury's going to retrograde in Taurus. It's not that easy on the nervous system. Mercury rules the nervous system. And it's probably hard to breathe because your lungs is all messed up because lungs are also ruled by Mercury. But anyway, you know, you could, you know, drive backward and if you're picking up your kids you're looking back and they're making a whole riot back there it's not that easy especially in a highway think about driving back in a highway with everybody honking because you're driving probably not that fast you don't have five gears for reverse so anyway it's complicated it's difficult it's accident prone Definitely, you're not going to get on time to your destination, but at least you're moving. At least your car is going someplace. Mercury stationary is either you're going to garage and the car is gone. It's like it's gone. Somebody stole it or you can't turn it on. So you have to order AAA and then hopefully they'll pick you up, uh, pick the car up and then reverse it back uh, to the garage. So the Mercury stationary is the most difficult thing. So if you're planning anything in the next few weeks, definitely avoid May 10 and 11. And definitely we'll talk about the dates in a second. In June, uh, the third, fourth, I think you have to also avoid because it is very, very um uh, difficult to deal with Mercury stationary. It's basically 
the, the mail is not arriving, communication all stop, we're all frozen like a computer that's trying to download a file that it cannot uh, sustain or cannot contain in a sense. It's like um, getting into a catatonic shock because of some really bad news and the whole nervous system decides not to. Or like the possum I had here, uh, you know, possums, when they get really scared, they pretend to die, they get frozen, and it's really hard to move them. That's Mercury stationary, a possum that is catatonic. That would be the best example of how to deal with Mercury retrograde. A Mercury stationary. So the shadow is what's leading up to the moment of stationary because Mercury is going direct right now in order for it to go retrograde. It doesn't go retrograde to appear to go retrograde. It needs to, first of all, stop and then go back, you know, like in Petty, um, um, Tom Petty's song, Stop Whatever You're Looking At. Stop. Stop whatever you're thinking of. So you can really see the shadow or as a period where you have little glimpses of what your issues will be in or during the Mercury retrograde. So the last six, seven days, you've experienced it. We talked about it quite a while ago, um, but we also mentioned it last week that we have to start paying attention because it's not really Mercury retrograde. You're still allowed to sign. You're still allowed to do things. You have to just be very cautious and you have to be a, a very vigilant because certain things that are connected to miscommunication, issues in... Um, a, Anything that has to do with logic, with communication, with networking, with businesses, uh, with computer, with technology is going off. And, and then whatever is you're dealing with or whatever you're going to have to deal with during the Mercury retrograde, you're going to have a little bit of a preview, little sample of what's going to happen. So it's always interesting. It's good. And now, I've, I've lo now I'm starting to look at the shadow. Now is a period that you have to uh, be very, very scared or... Um, terrified of it's more about having a little glimpse of the future of what you might have to deal with and i think the shadow offers us an opportunity to deal with these kind of things and if we do not deal with them during the shadow they could leak into the retrograde and become worse because it's almost like you have i don't know to damn with animals because maybe we're in taurus and maybe today's mother day's mother nature's day turtles you know the turtles like to dig a lot and if you don't stop them from digging and move them around then they're going to dig your whole garden apart. So during the shadow, you can see where the turtle is going and you have to bring the turtle up and bring him to another place. But if you don't, then during the retrograde, it's going to dig in and destroy your garden. So again, whatever was going on in the last week, pay attention. Imagine it was a Mercury retrograde, even though it wasn't. See where you had miscommunication, who you had this miscommunication with, what kind of arguments you had, what kind of glitches you experienced during the retrograde. Just be more cautious. You know what the shadow is? The shadow is like getting a vaccine, in a sense. You're getting this uh, a little bit of the Mercury retrograde to kind of prepare you for the Mercury retrograde. So the same way that uh, we are now aware of this technique, I mean, the idea of the shadow being some kind of uh, vaccine that can help you deal with the virus of the retrograde. It's more about awareness. And I think that that could really help us deal with retrogrades in the future because it's inevitable the same way that it's inevitable uh, when you go out in the rain to be wet. But the question is, what is getting wet? Your umbrella, your coat or your skin and your underwear? Yeah. So that's up to us. So that was a little bit about the retrograde and uh, the shadow. Retrograde, we'll talk next week. But I wanted to share uh, what I prepared for you guys um, 
because there's a few things I wanted to cover if uh, we manage to get here into the... Yes. So again, if you are joining us just now, I'm going to be in New York from the 21st of May to the 28th. So I'm going to do readings there in Williamsburg. Uh, I'm abandoning the West Village because due to the pandemic, the place I used to stay for years is not available anymore. But um, I decided I'll test uh, Williamsburg, never been there. So I'll be doing the readings from there. And then a week after, on the 29th to June 3rd or 4th, I'll be doing the Omega uh, retreat with along with uh, a few other teachers. So check it out. The, the I'll send you the uh, link. And we have the Gemini class right on May 20th. We're going to talk about Gemini. And of course, we're going to mention the Mercury retrograde because Mercury is the ruler of uh, Gemini. Today's Mother's Day. In a lot of places in the world, they're celebrating Mother's Day. And I think it's great to celebrate Mother's Day on the second Sunday of May. Why? Because May is the celebration of nature, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. We are dealing with Taurus, Mother Nature. And Taurus, by the way, is the sign that is associated with Earth. If somebody, an alien, comes and asks the planet Earth or Earthlings, what sign are you? Now, that's going to be a little bit complicated. The Earth itself is Taurus. I don't know, you know, in the Big Bang, if uh, when the Earth cooled enough to be called Earth, which was was it happening during Taurus precisely, during May? I don't think it's about that. It's about the idea that Earth um, Taurus is an Earth sign, a fixed Earth sign, and the planet Earth is our home. It is what contains us. It what's ground us. And of course, Mother Nature is associated with Taurus. Therefore, animals and plants are associated with Taurus. And of course, we are also an animal. So we are Taurus. But if you look mythologically, and we talked about it quite a while ago uh, in connection to Rosh Hashanah, according to the Jewish tradition, the Bible that inspired so many people and is still inspiring, maybe even not only inspiring, but also causing trouble. Uh, according to the Bible, at least Adam and Eve, our primordial parents, were born on the new moon in Libra. But it's kind of interesting that the new moon in Libra makes humanity a double Libra, right? Because Rosh Hashanah happens on the new moon in Libra. And we traced back, I did it a few um, years ago, that I traced the actual astrological chart to the new moon in Libra based on Genesis decision that we were created around five to 6,000 years ago. And it was a new moon in Libra. And we could tell that humanity is a double Libra. And Libra is ruled by Venus. Taurus is ruled by Venus. So definitely we are the children of the goddess of love. So that's kind of optimistic in a sense. And it's also the goddess of peace. Imagine we were born in Aries or Scorpio rising. That's like the uh, even worse, the situation with war. So think about all the war and devastation that's happening. And that's with us being ruled mythologically or uh, geologically by Venus, the goddess of love, the goddess of peace. But anyway, Mother uh, Mother's Day is celebrated in Taurus, and it's very good that it is celebrated in Taurus. In Taurus, we have the Earth Day. And April 22nd always falls on um, Taurus because I told you Taurus is Mother Nature. And now we see that Mother's Day is celebrated in during uh, cancer during Taurus. I would have sent I would probably have sent Mother Days to Cancer. It would be more the traditional idea of Mother, but uh, Taurus is the second best. Uh, the ruler of Taurus is Venus. Remember, Venus in the tarot card is the Empress, and it represents a pregnant woman. 
So today is definitely dedicated to the archetype and the idea of motherhood. And I wanted to reach out to all the women that maybe have not become a mother, uh, or at least not biologically, or to the men who cannot be a mother, not to be discouraged. Today, it's not necessarily other people's day. It could be your day because you've been a mother most likely in a past lifetime. And maybe at that time, people were not conscious enough to celebrate a day for you. So you should celebrate it now, retrospectively speaking. And maybe you are going to be a mother in the future lifetime um, with all, if all goes well. So this could be your future Mother Day. But I tried to co compile a list of uh, things. I just sent it in Instagram about the ideals or the archetype of the mother, unconditional love, selfishness, selflessness, compassion, life-giving, healing, empathy, caring, forgiving, accepting, supporting, patient, creative, strong, protective. So there's a lot of these archetypes and they're very much associated with the idea of mother. And I basically state that if you have three or more of these qualities, today is your celebration. So even if you are not a biological mother or to a mother to someone, I can attest from my experience in life, I had many, many mothers that were not my biological mother. And my mother is an amazing woman, a amazing mother, amazing grandmother. So it's not like I was searching everywhere to look for a different mother, alternative mother. I didn't have to do that. And yet I encountered mothers that really adopted me. For example, the family that adopted me for a year and a half in Mexico, um, And my friends who I consider women who are older than me, sometimes women who are younger than me could be very mothering. I have a niece that is very mothering to me and she's like 28, 29. So again, it is something that we are all celebrating today, the ideal and the concept of mothering, which is unconditional love. So this could be replaced by the idea of this is not only happy mother day, it's happy those that can be unconditional in the love to us day but i guess it's very long so it's just good to say happy mother day that is about the mother now the shadow of yeah and it's also kind of cynical or maybe it's kind of like pathetic or maybe it is a synchronistic energy that we're dealing this week with mother's day and we have the leak of the draft from the supreme court about uh, abortion which is definitely an issue for mothers to decide not for some guys And um, also we heard from Afghanistan that the Taliban decided that women should be dressed from toe to head to toe uh, because and covered everything has to be covered like, um, you know, like superheroes in a sense, not to be recognized who they are. So in this week, when we're celebrating Mother Days, you see the forces that are combined into this whole craziness, including covering women uh, the whole way up still down or not allowing them to deal with their or to de make decisions about their body. So in many ways, what happened in the Supreme Court in the United States and what happened in, with the Taliban is kind of similar. It's almost synchronized. It's uh, kind of sad that it's very much happening in the same time that we're also celebrating Mother's Day. So women cannot decide what to wear in Afghanistan or, you know, they can They can decide if they want the hijab to be purple or maybe to be crimson, maybe black, maybe off black. I don't know if they're allowed to be white, but I guess they have some choices of colors as long as they're covering themselves like ghosts from the top to the bottom. And women are in America are not allowed to decide if they want to carry their baby or not. So I think there is some kind of similarity. 
Also, this week was a lot of interesting things. Again, pay attention. It is the shadow only. And think about what happened with uh, Lavrov. Lavrov is the uh, highest diplomat under Putin, of course. And he's very seasoned. He doesn't say things without thinking. And to an interview in an Italian um, outlet, he said, uh, so what if Zelensky is Jewish? He says, the fact does not negate the Nazi element in Ukraine. I believe that Hitler also had Jewish blood. It means absolutely nothing. The uh, the wise Jewish people said that the most ardent anti-Semites are usually Jews. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it is true that the greatest homophobic people are usually homosexuals. But that's a different thing because they're trying to hide the fact that they're homosexual. I don't think Jews are trying to hide the fact that they're Jewish and therefore blame, uh, therefore they are the worst anti-Semitic. So that, of course, is not logical. Either he's losing his mind a a little bit or it's something very much uh, in line with what Putin thinks because Lavrov does not make any kind of gaffes and any kind of mistakes like some of our politicians do. And in fact, Maria Zarakova, who is his spokesman, said, spokeswoman, I guess, said um, uh, to Sputnik that Israel mercenaries are practically shoulder to shoulder with Azov's militant in Ukraine. so it's definitely some kind of a decision to be in the shadow, to communicate shade, to communicate shadow. And that's what I wanted you to look into in the symbolism of what's happening this week in your personal life and also the news. The reason why I use news in astrology is because I'm not going to tell you all about my personal life because it's boring. And even though I'm an Aries that always talks about himself still, I mean, I have some compassion towards you. Otherwise, where am I going to draw the symbolism of as above, so below, unless it's some stories that we all know and we all hear about. So that's precisely what I wanted to show with the Mercury shadow in Gemini. Don't forget, Gemini is truth lies. It's that duality. It's binary. It's yes, no. And we're in the shadow. And in the shadow, there is homophobic uh, things. There is anti-Semitism. There is misogyny. Anything negative or dark will be in the shadow. So when Mercury is in Gemini, very strong communication, but it's in the shadow, it's going to bring communication out of the shadow, the creatures of the night. So you see very well that it was kind of intended to do that. And then we hear that, uh, at least we hear from the Prime Minister of Israel, from Bennett, that Putin supposedly apologized to him. I don't know if he did apologize or not, but the Kremlin didn't mention anything about an apology whatsoever. It's just that in Israel, they probably had to calm things down. And so Bennett said that he talked to Putin and he apologized. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? It was in the shadow. Then Lukashenko, uh, do you remember? It's a cold, a close uh, Putin ally. He's the uh, head of uh, Belarus, and he said in um, uh, what was it a few days ago? He said that he de- he actually departed from the Kremlin's idea that this is a war, and he said specifically not this operation or this special operation, which is what they call this thing in uh, Russia. He actually said this war is dragging too long. So he said two things that are kind of interesting, how uh, somebody from the shadow came out of the shadow to talk about A, that it's dragging on and he's complaining, B, that he's calling it a war. And of course, uh, the Roe versus Wade um, draft that was actually written in February, I think it was February 10 or so. And I checked in February 10, funny enough, we had five planets in Capricorn, which is the sign of conservative thought. So it's kind of interesting that there were the five uh, justices that decided to go uh, to 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 basically voted to 
go away, take away Roe and Wade, or at least eliminate it. Now, when I looked at the actual uh, dates of Roe versus Wade, it was Wade. It was January twenty second, nineteen seventy three. And at that time, Kiron, the wounded healer, was 13 degrees Aries. Now, it's interesting because we talked quite a lot about um, Kiron. We had a whole session here when we talked about Kiron, Kiron, the wounded healer being in Aries. I, we traced it to every 50 years cycles that because United States had Kiron in Aries in her chart, every 50 years, something very significant happens that is trying to fix or change a wound that has to do with the people that is around identity, because Aries is all about identity, I am. And Aries, interestingly enough, is your rising sign. It's your body. It's your personality. And here we're talking about Roe versus Wade that was established in January 22nd, 1973. Chiron was 13 degrees Aries. Aries again, I am. The Supreme Court uh, draft leak happened when Chiron was returning to the same place it was when it was uh, established as Roe versus Wade. So Roe versus Wade was in 13th Aries when Chiron was there. It's half every 50 years, obviously, 1973. Now we're in 1922, uh, 2022. And the leak was happening right now in when Chiron was 14 degrees Aries. So it's a Chiron return to the time that that decision was taking place in 1973. And in 1992, there was a five to four decision that actually reaffirmed, reaffirmed, reaffirmed sorry, Roe and Wade. Um, and that is interesting. It was a, a Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the case. And 1992 is a Saturn return of what's happening right now. So what you see is convergence of two uh, cycles. One of them is Chiron that happens every 50 years. And that also it could be interesting in your own life to go back 50 years ago to 1972, 1973, and check to see what was going on then with your body, with your identity, with your need to establish the I am of Aries, with dealing with wounds that have to do with your insecurities. And again, to go back to 1992, which is a Saturn return of what's happening now, to see what was going on in your life as well. But sometimes when two um, you can say cycles converge, they create a new cycle, which is even stronger. It's like these, you know, these um, uh, uh, teeth, uh, how do you call them? The teeth round thingies, uh, we call it in Hebrew, teeth wheels. Oh, I don't think it's like that in English, but something similar, how they come together in order to um, uh, create a new cycle in a sense. So again, really interesting for you guys to look also in your own life, in your own news report to see what's going on at that time. Now, what is interesting is how people take the Bible, who was what's compiled around 2,300, 2,400 years ago in a very faraway place, and a Bible that is a great book. You know that I admire the Bible. I think it is a storytelling machine. I'm talking about the Old Testament and how it is very taught not only us, but Shakespeare and Hollywood to tell good stories. You know, the whole idea of don't uh, tell show uh, comes from the Bible, the whole idea of characters, arc. There's a lot of beautiful things that the Bible gave us and a lot of really interesting, compassionate stories. But there is a lot of uh, stuff then that is written for men by men in a very specific desert place. So what I'm saying is the book is great, but you cannot A, say that God wrote it because there's too many mistakes in the book to say unless God is really absent-minded and losing it as in already senile or something. And 
there are some parts there that you, that really reek and smell of misogyny or homophobia or more than anything agenda because what we know about the bible now is that it's been edited and rendered many many times especially by the priests and you can see segments in the bible especially the laws that are telling you who you should stone and who you should not stone and the laws against um uh, with the kosher certain things there about what you should eat and what you should not eat that were actually rendered later because we can see that characters that like David or Rachel that actually had other gods and actually uh, had some interesting different things compared to what the Deuteronomy and other books are telling you not to do. So what you see in the Bible is that there is a many ways to interpret it. And that's why people take the Bible and, and fish out of it whatever they want according to their political agenda. And if you look at religion in general and what they think about um, abortion and the right of women to, uh, uh, to decide for themselves, you see that it's really interesting of how the Bible made things more complicated. So, for example, if you're a Buddhist, 82% support some kind of legal abortion. Not I'm saying that everything that could be like what they call, how do they call it, um, um, abortion in demand or whatever so you can just like do whatever you want there is some supervision but they say that mostly it should be decided by the woman or people who think that it's completely should be illegal uh, totally so with the buddhist you see that 82 percent tell you no the woman should do whatever she wants i mean we trust women i mean maybe it's a more feminine oriented religion. For Catholicism, it's less than 50% that think that there should be some legality in um, abortion. For evangel for uh, evangelical Protestant, it's 33. That's where the rub is. With them, Jehovah Witnesses, those are people that take the Bible and just interpret whatever they want from that. Because if you look at the Jews that actually wrote that, You'll see that like the Buddhists, they're 83% telling you it's totally fine. So, hey, listen to us. We wrote that book, right? That book that you're relying on right now and quoting everywhere and saying that God wants to save the little babies. Well, maybe you should look at the author. You know, for example, let's say we have an argument about Harry Potter. What would Harry Potter say about, um, about abortion? Because it's very important to know what Harry Potter would think about abortion. So let's ask, um, who should we ask? The people who read Harry Potter? Or maybe we should ask the author of Harry Potter and ask her, what do you think Harry Potter, which you created and you wrote about, it would think about abortion? So that's the same thing I'm telling people, that sometimes maybe it's good to ask the actual Jews who wrote the Bible and continued working with it without any break for a few thousand years, what they think. And you'll see that 83% of them say it's totally fine. You know, So that's just interesting. And then I thought about, um, where is that? Yeah, and then I thought about, you know what? I'm going to do a little experiment. I think I shared it with you here because I think I thought about it the first time when I was in Bulgaria and I got really people pissed off uh, there. So let me try to do the same thing to you. I mean, not to piss you off, but to, show, to share with you something. You know, if you want to use the Bible to decide if women can uh, have abortion, if gays can get married, if uh, lesbians are allowed to walk there without being stoned and so forth, maybe we should uh, do our little exercise of storytelling. So let's go to Genesis. The reason why there is such a big thing about abortion in um, the Bible, one of the reasons is from the Old Testament, God uh, creates Adam and Eve, right? You see in Genesis 1.27, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he them 
Then God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. So this is a very interesting sentence from Genesis 1. We're talking about the first book of Genesis, the law of beginning. This set the attitude for a lot of the men uh, in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam as well, which unfortunately created the ecological disaster that we are now facing. And of course, years of misogynism and uh, terrible experiences that women had. Why? Because what we have here is A, God saying to people that you should be fruitful and multiply. Therefore, if you got pregnant, just pop it out because we need to listen to God, what he said in Genesis 1, 28, or at least that's what is written that he said because nobody was there, to be honest, except Adam and Eve, and I don't know if they wrote the Bible. So anyway, God said and blessed them, be fruitful and multiply. So you should have as many kids as possible. And don't forget, this book was written, like I told you, thousands of years ago to an agriculture society that uh, needed boys and girls to be able to work the fields and therefore you needed to have 12 pregnancies uh, maybe to get three or four of them to be alive right two three whatever so no wonder at that time it was super important to have as many pregnancies as possible not to waste any of them because we needed to have people working the fields but to be honest right now we don't have that many fields there's machines that are doing it great and in a few years we're going to have artificial intelligence that's going to do it so it's not like we have to cover this whole earth with human we already have too many people, right? And anyway, the other part of it is interesting because that created the uh, ecological problems that we're having now. That word subdue, that basically means in Hebrew, it's kivshu. Kivshu means to conquer, to conquer, to, to work, to, to exploit in a sense. So the whole idea is that the earth was given to humanity to do whatever you wanted with it. It's almost like God is giving us the keys to the car and you can trash the car, you can get as many tickets as you want. I don't know, it's your car. Do whatever you want it. So it specifically says you can subdue it. You have dominion over the fish. Oh, no wonder we fish so much. Of the sea, no wonder the sea is polluted. And over the fowl in the air, no wonder the air is uh, polluted. And every living thing that creeps upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every Every herb yielding seed with with which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in each the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you it shall be for food. So basically we can do whatever we want with nature. It's ours. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl in the air, to everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is a living soul, I have given every green herb for you. So this is an interesting thing because when you read it, I don't understand how some religious people, and there is a lot of them uh, that believe that, that dogs and cats and animals do not have soul. That's why you can do whatever you want with them. You can hunt them. You can kill them. You can torture them. They don't have a soul. But here specifically in the same Genesis that they uphold so much, it says very, 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 very clearly and bluntly to every beast and the earth and to every fowl in the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is a living soul. So it says there have a soul. So what up? Oh, we're going to choose only a sentence 27 and sentence 28, but avoid 29 and 30. You know, that's very selective. So anyway, let me be also very selective and prove to you that God in his grand plan wanted to have more gays. And that is very, very simple because you see here that God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, right? We're in mother day. So we have to talk about replenishing the earth and having everybody become a mother. So remember that sentence, be fruitful and multiply, have as many kids as possible. Why is that? 
That was only discovered in 1996. So the true essence of Genesis 1 was only discovered by Ray Blanchard and Anthony Bogart in 1996. And they demonstrated the idea of FBA. FBA stands for Fraternal Birth Order. And the idea is that they demonstrated that the probability of a boy growing up to be gay increases for each older brother born to the same mother. Each older brother increases the probability of being gay by about 33%. This phenomenon was confirmed in multiple study based on independent population totaling 10,000 subjects. And a meta-analysis indicates that between 15% to 29% of gay men owe their sexual orientation to this effect. Meaning that if you're King David, for example, and you're the seventh boy or the eighth boy, depends on the version you're reading in the Bible. I told you there's some mistakes in the Bible. Most likely, you're gay. Why? Because your mother already had seven boys before you, and every boy that she has increases your chance tremendously of being gay. So by the time you get to David, no wonder he fell in love with Jonathan and and uh, said that his love to him was greater than the love of women. Because the idea is that the more men you have, something, they call it progressive immunization of the mother. It's almost as if the mother is developing some antigen against uh, boys, in a sense, and they become all gay. So here it is. Now you put those two things together, the science and the Bible, and you see that God specifically tells Adam and Eve, listen, Eve, Adam is not going to understand it, but listen, Eve, listen. You have to have as many boys as possible. Now you understand the obsession of men in the Bible with having boys. You thought it was because boys are great or because uh, they wanted to have a hair. Wrong. They needed gays. They just didn't know it. So the idea is that God told Eve, listen, you have to have as many pregnancies as possible because there is more chances that you're going to have boys. And the more boys you have, the more gays I will have. So my decision to tell you to have as many kids as possible and have no abortion is so that we can have more gays in Mississippi and Alabama and all of these places that are supporting um, illegalizing um, abortion. So there you have it. You can use the Bible the way you want. Now, let's see what is happening to us because uh, May 10 and 11, I told you Mercury is going to be stationary in Germ in Gemini. Not the best time for new beginnings and finance. Um, May 10 to 27, Jupiter is going to enter Aries. And that's going to be something I want to cover today because it is kind of significant. It happens um, once in 12 years. So we're back to 2011, 1999, 1987. It's basically every uh, 19, every 12... 12 years that Jupiter, the planet of expansion, opportunity, doors opening, is moving into Aries, which is a fire sign. Jupiter loves to be in a fire sign. So that's going to be very helpful for Aries, for Leos, for, for um, Sagittarians, definitely, for Aquarius, for Libras, and Gemini. It's not that other signs are not going to benefit from it because you have in your chart somewhere Aries. So maybe you are a Cancer. And Jupiter in uh, Aries for Cancer is not always comfortable because it cre creates a square with your sun. It can cause you to be over the top or too much. But maybe you have Aries in the house of relationship and you've been longing for a partner for a long time. And now Jupiter moving into your house of relationship, even though it's in Aries, it's going to bring the Prince Charming. So there's a lot of hope when Jupiter is in Aries. And Jupiter in Aries favors everything that has to do with your identity, with your body, with... Um, leadership, initiation, 
whatever you need to conquer, whenever you need to um, reach out and have the call to action, you're going to find yourself being prompt to move, to do. So if you're looking for more physical vitality, more energy, more thrust forward, definitely it is uh, Jupiter in Aries. It's kind of initiating a new process, a new cycle of study and learning. So um, let's look at basically where a the Jupiter in Aries will be. So Jupiter in Aries is going to be right now from May 10 until October 27. Then again, from December 20th until May 16 of 2023. So December 20th this year until May 16, 2023. So if you look at these cycles, so for Aries, when Jupiter is in Aries, it's a great time. So first of all, for all of you, go back to 2011 and see where did you feel expansion? No, I don't care if you got a divorce at that time because maybe it was Saturn, maybe it was another planet, or maybe you needed to get a divorce and Jupiter in Aries gave you the ability to see who you are and what you need and gave you the energy needed to leave that relationship that maybe was toxic. But Jupiter in Aries usually enhances your self-determination. It's like your Independence Day in a sense. It is your autonomy. So look into what happened to you during that time. We're talking about, again, 2011, 1999. Does those years, you got some kind of a push forward. Um, so for Aries, it's all aspect of their life. Basically, it's affecting their first house, the house of my body, myself, my identity, my health. So for Aries, it can be a big uh, push forward. For Taurus, it's going to be affecting their past lifetime. So it's going to be interesting for Taurus because there's so much activity now happening for Taurus. Uranus is hosted in your chart, the crazy planet that is unpredictable and an awakener. You have the North Node, which is the bearer of good karma. That's really great. From next January, you got, sorry, from next May, you're going to have, from May 16, 2023, you're going to have Jupiter moving into your sign. So you have a lot coming up for you. But right now, Jupiter is going to enhance for the next uh, year or so. Your ability to get rid of things you don't need, whatever it is in your life that you need to let go. But at the same time, you're going to find yourself traveling to places that maybe you've known in past life, meeting people that you might have known, uh, connecting to talents, especially artistic talents that might have happened in past lifetime. It's as if you're going to have now a continuous, spontaneous past lifetime regression. For Gemini, it's great because it's going to be all about friendships. And in general, Jupiter in Aries for Gemini is very, very good. Gemini is the nervous system. Aries is the head. So it's like perfect. You know, here I have the perfect cup and inside of it eh, is not the best coffee, but coffee. So that's what Gemini is. They have the container of their essence is being uh, made of gold in a sense. And what it means is new friendships. If you're working in a company, there could be a promotion in your company. New companies are reaching out to you. You're connecting to your gang, to your people. It's also the ability to manifest things. Great energy. For cancer, is all about career. So for cancer, it's going to be expansion in their career, opportunities coming in career. There's going to be better energies with father figures, superiors, and a feeling like I know my direction, especially in connection to career. For Leo, it's about traveling. It's about education. It's about higher education. It's about teaching and learning, learning what you want to teach, teach what you want to learn. So for Leo, it's about expansion coming from foreigners or by traveling or in connection to multinational corporation. And also it could be a lot of healing with in-laws. For Virgos, it's a period of enhanced sexuality. So it's interesting. The virgin is losing her virginity. So you're going to have a lot of connection to intimacy, sexuality. Your partners might be making more money. Production is going to work much better. 
For Libra, it's about relationship because it's the opposite sign of Aries. So where we're going to have is you have to be a little bit careful during this time not to be overboard or not to be too much or not to try too much or spread yourself too thin. Um, Over-enthusiasm, sometimes even over-optimism. So just be careful of that. But the good news is Jupiter is enhancing your partnerships in work, partnerships in life, give you good luck with uh, justice against uh, any kind of enemies. For Scorpio, it's all about work, health, diet, routine. And this is great because Scorpios are the healers. And I'm really happy that they're going to have a lot of expansion uh, with the ability to work. That means that we can go through a lot of healing in the next year and a half. And for Scorpio being in work, it means expansion coming to from work, maybe better healing yourself. Diets could go work really well. Your uh, connection to employees, maybe it will be a time you're going to start hiring more people. For Sagittarius, it's all about children. So if Sagittarius wanted to have kids, mental kids, uh, mental kids, I'm talking about kids from the mind, kids from the womb, uh, this is a great time for birthing, creation, entertainment, performance, love, sports. This is great for Sagittarians. In general, Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius, and now it's in Aries, which he loves to be in. For Capricorn, it's about home, real estate, healing energies with home and family or um, your physical home, anything that can be connected to emotions, which is really important for Capricorn because Capricorn opposite sign is cancer, the home, and they need to always reconnect to it. Aquarius, it's about uh, business, communication, networking, writing, publishing, being a hub, being connected. It's also very good for healing any issues with uh, siblings, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, all that is really strong for Aquarians. And for Pisces, it's about money. Uh, make sure you know where that money is. Uh, don't fall in love. Uh, don't fall, in, uh, fall asleep when you are uh, supposed to start making money. Because for Pisces, this is going to be a year of a lot of expansion with self-worth, with your talents. Maybe all talents are going to come back and be able to. you're going to be able to translate it into finance. So this is actually very exciting for a. Uh, all of the signs. I think that you all, all of the signs are going to benefit from it. Of course, there's more signs that are going to flow better with Jupiter in Aries, but it all ultimately depends where you have your, um, where you have your Aries. So if you know where you have your Aries, that will make everything much easier for us. I mean, for you to figure out, um, where you have this expansion. But this expansion, again, if you could go back and trace it to the last time um, you experienced it, meaning, like we said, 2011, that would really help because then you can prepare for what needs to happen and then you can welcome it and can see, oh, it's happening already, so I'm, I'm ready for it. If we look at uh, what's happening this week... Before we look into um, any questions. So today we have the moon in Leo. Yeah, today the moon is in Leo. Um, the moon in Leo is actually a fun moon. It's great. Uh, the only problem is that the moon and the sun are squaring on Mother's Day. The mother is the moon. The sun is the father. Maybe father is a little bit jealous that we're talking only about the mother and we're not mentioning anything about him. But it's kind of interesting that the moon, which is the mother, is in Leo, which is the father, and the sun, which is the father, is in Taurus today, of course, which is uh, Mother Nature. So they kind of switched roles um, in a way. But the sun is on top of Uranus. It's a funny day today. It's kind of quirky. Uh, jokes are welcomed to make us feel better. Watch comedies. I mean, Uranus is on top of the sun. It's been like that for the last three days. 
And as you can see, Chiron is 14 degrees Aries. I told you it's a Chiron return of the uh, Roe versus Wade. And Jupiter, you can see 29 degrees Pisces, just about to move over to Aries and abandoned uh, Pisces, where it's been uh, for the last since the end of December of last year. So Monday, Monday tomorrow, the moon day. It's uh, the moon is still squaring the sun, so there could be some kind of irritation and some issues with uh, some people. So just to pay attention to it, it's the last day of Jupiter in. Pisces and the last day of Mercury going somewhat direct. We are still in the shadow, but if you need to sign anything, make it happen tomorrow because the day after you can see the S forming around the Mercury, the black S, meaning that is just finished the direct and it's about to move to retrograde and it means we are stuck. So Tuesday, Wednesday is a very stuck day. Now, if you want something to remain as it is, don't touch it for a long time. Um, maybe it's good to do something during Mercury stationary because it's going to get stuck. So I can't think about anything right now as an example of something you want to get stuck uh, because stuckness is not always very welcoming. But I don't know. You want... It's very tough because you don't want to plant, for example, a tree and get it stuck there because then it's not going to grow. So if it's, a tree doesn't grow, it dies. You know that trees grow all the way until they die. It's kind of a fascinating idea. The trees never stop growing. Did you ever think about it? I mean, it's great to talk about it now with Taurus, but it's completely not connected to what we're supposed to talk. But anyway, think about that. Trees continue to grow all the time until they stop when they die. That would be amazing if all of us continue growing uh, until we die. But in many ways, I think we are. Not maybe physically, but mentally, spiritually. Uh, don't forget, in, in the Bible it says specifically, for a man is a tree in the field. So I guess we are growing until we die. And then when we die, it basically means our soul can't grow anymore. And that's it. We're off. Anyway, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, don't start anything if you can. Um, it's stuck. It's just stuck. So if you want to do things that demand stuckness, maybe meditation will actually be a good for a good thing. The worst case, you get stuck in your meditation and you're going to get enlightened, you know, like the Buddha. And don't forget, we're coming closer to May 16. We're going to talk about it next week, which is the eclipse. You remember that we're going to have an eclipse. We are now in between eclipses. The first one was just happening uh, recently in April 30th. The second one is on May 15, May 16, depends where you are. And in between, we are in eclipse season. So maybe that's also one of the reasons why this shadow was so intense, because it's not only Mercury shadow, it's also the eclipse season. We're right between two eclipses. We are besieged by eclipses. So again, uh, leading it to up next to week, next week, it is still very, very intense because we are in eclipse season. But uh, again, Tuesday, Wednesday, avoid doing things. Meditation's perfect. And maybe no, even starting something you want to maintain forever, it's kind of dangerous. So just avoid starting things. But what the good news is about Tuesday is that the moon moved into Virgo. Very practical, very grounded, very connected to diet, health, routine. And the sun and the moon are sending perfect, beautiful energy to each other. You see the beautiful blue between Uranus, the Sun, the North Node, and the Moon. The only problem is that Mercury, the ruler of uh, Gem um, Gemini, and also the ruler of Virgo, is squaring the Moon in Virgo. So there's a little bit of uh, struggle there between Virgo and Gemini. 
So even Virgos and Gemini are going to feel a little bit uncomfortable, especially Gemini. So for Gemini, it's not the easiest time when Mercury is retrograde and Mercury is the only representative that Gemini have right now. So you can see the only thing we have in Gemini is Mercury and there that is stationary and retrograde. So this is not an easy time for Gemini. Have compassion to your Gemini friends. And of course, it also leaks into Pisces. Uh, so Pisces and Gemini have to be a little bit uh, more careful. The interesting thing also that we have is Saturn coming closer and closer to the um, Vesta. Vesta is the hearth and it's very traditional energy. Saturn is also very traditional. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we see from a lot of groups in uh, uh, here in the United States that are especially more religious, we're starting to see even in the, in the uh, top of uh, the Republicans, that they're starting already to talk about trigger uh, laws, you know, laws that were waiting for Roe and Wade to go away. So they automatically uh, become a law. I mean, think about a trigger. It's the same people that are into guns uh, are now having trigger laws. It's kind of funny. But anyway, uh, that's going to uh, start happening right now. But even now they're talking about being even more conservative and saying and having a ban of abortion in the whole state, meaning a whole country, meaning that even if California in New York, when you have to abortion, you cannot do it. You probably have to go to Europe or some other civilized place. Maybe Mexico it's allowed. I don't know. I'm sure that uh, or Canada. God save Canada. Anyway, that's um, that could be the Saturn on top of um, Vesta. So we're going to have this backlash of conservatism, maybe even too much uh, to the other side. After that, it's going to be a little bit easier. But again, this year, the Tuesday is good overall because of the sun and the moon uh, trying. That means that you can make, uh, you can function well. I mean, it's not that moody or that uh, difficult emotionally. But again, don't start anything. And right on Wednesday, as Mercury is stationary, uh, we, you see this S changes into red. It means like red alert. And we have a lot of movement towards Aries. So we're going to start seeing the change from a Piscean period, which we had in the last few months, into an Aries period. We have Venus in Aries. Of course, we have Chiron in Aries. We are going to have Jupiter in Aries. And pretty soon, Mars, the ruler of Aries, will join Aries as well. So more action, more movement. The moon is still in Virgo. It's good for work. It's good for diet. It's good for health. It's good for um, your routine. And it's sending beautiful energy to the, the sun, beautiful energy to Uranus. It's emotional satisfaction, usually what it means. And from May 12, we are starting our retrograde. Be a little bit careful towards the end of the week with your relationship because what's happening is Venus is getting dangerously clo close to Chiron, the wounded healer. So there's a lot of wounds that are happening in connection to relationships, insecurities about relationships that surface, or even your insecurities about your creativity or about money making, about art. But it is a great time for healing all of those things. So if these insecurities come out, at least you're aware of them and you can work with them. So that's happening May 12th. You see it also in May 13th when Venus is getting closer and closer to Chiron. So just be aware there could be some feeling, even if you don't have a relationship, you either might be attracting a wounded person or your wound is attracted or attracting people that might not be the best for you. Or maybe you're going to meet a wounded healer. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Somebody that was wounded, I don't know, maybe somebody who's sober or somebody who had abuse happen to him but decided to fight with it and is now a wounded healer. 
And so that is going to be much more happening on Friday. And also on Friday, we have the moon in Libra. We have the sun in Taurus. It's all Venus air energy. So that's actually pretty good. The only thing is Venus opposite to the moon. Sometimes it talks about a little bit of a clash of civilization between women who are younger and women who are older. So just pay attention to it. And also, if you're introducing your partner for the first time to your parents on Friday, it's going to be a disaster. Better choose a different day because the moon opposite to Venus means my family or my mother does not approve of my relationship or the way I make money. Because the moon is also opposite to Chiron, it could be, again, more of a drama. So Friday might not be the best day for dates or for introduction of your partners or to tell your parents that you've decided that you're going to do something new for finance or for your money. That being said, that day, May 13, is really, really strong because we have the sun touching for the first time this year, the North Node. That happens once a year, obviously, because it's a solar return of the sun to the North Node. And that means some kind of positive karma downloaded to you. It means that you're going to feel something familiar. You're going to start something and feel like, I know I've done it before. You're going to have a lot of deja vus. It's almost like you're opening a gift that you've left yourself from a past lifetime. So pay attention at that time. It also is great for figures of authority, connecting to groups of authority, uh, groups of people who are powerful, famous people. Somebody is trying to help you. Just help them help you. You know. As we move forward, we see that on Saturday and Sunday, you can see we have that Venus-Chiron conjunct. So be extra careful with relationships. It could be a little bit off. Uh, Mercury is actually sending a, a good energy on Friday and Saturday for Pluto, which is good for business. I mean, Mercury retrograde doesn't mean we stop everything we're doing. It just means you have to be more cautious or more careful. And uh, Sunday, we're going to check next week, uh, but that's when we're getting closer to the eclipse. Sunday and Monday are going to be the eclipse, and that's a very important Sunday and Monday. Next week, we're going to do a special about the Buddha because it was uh, we're coming to the time where the Buddha was born, attained enlightenment, and also uh, died. So that will be for next week. Let's see if there's any questions or complaints or assertments of things um, we discussed. Let me also put uh, the links for uh, the class. I'm also going to do a class in New York. We're trying to formulate it now and figure it out. So I'll let you know next week if you're there. But do join. Ah, in October, I already plan to do in Omega a, a, cla a special class for learning how to read your chart. So we're going to have a weekend. At the end of the weekend, you'll be able to know where you have areas where you have... Um, I didn't turn on the recording. Oh, yeah, it is. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, you could tell where you have Jupiter in Aries and so forth. Um, Lavrov's daughter has an American citizenship and married to an Israeli. Oh, my God. The world is getting very complicated. Everybody's married to everybody and everybody hates everybody. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm sure, like I told you, if an alien comes here, they will decide, you know what? This is not a planet that we should occupy there. It's already occupied. Um, what if Aries is intercepted? No, it's not delayed at all. I mean, think about it. It's um, Jupiter is in Aries. Wherever you have the land of Aries in your chart is going to be blessed. Imagine it to be a factory that is bringing up a lot of out, uh, output, a very healthy output, right? So it doesn't really matter if you have it in your left side of the country or in the north. or in, It will always bring you the what you need. So... It is going to help you even if it's intercepted. 
Meditation is really a good time for the uh, for Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes, because in meditation you're supposed to be still. Remember that uh, sentence from Psalm, uh, "Be still and know that I am God." It's something that really kind of capitalizes what meditation is to be able to stop whatever you're looking at. Stop whatever you're. I have to remember the Tom Petty. Anybody knows Tom Petty? Am I quoting it right? Okay, okay, okay. That's why God created Google. Let me check because uh, the song is stuck in my head. Uh, I even remember the video. It was Alice in Wonderland. Um, I don't know. Anybody knows better? Tom Pat Tom Petty. Stop. Yeah. Don't come around here no more. Whatever you're looking. Don't come around here no more. I've given up. Stop waiting any longer. Yeah, it's a great song. Let me <laughs> let me copy paste the lyrics for you so you can um, sing it along with yourself later on. It's by Dave Stewart and Tom Petty. That's what I've been trying to uh, sing along with you guys. And there you go, the lyrics. Oops. Um. Any other questions? How can business owner working to grow their business and hire more handle this upcoming Mercury retrograde? You know, I think that what you need to do is you need to grow it slow because Mercury retrograde would want to speed things and especially because it's in, in Gemini. Don't forget that what we have in this retrograde, it starts off in Gemini in the skies and it lands down to Taurus. So that's not too bad for new businesses because what you're doing is you're bringing from above and anchoring it down below. Um, so it's not a bad time. And what you should do, you should just grow it very, very slowly. It's only talking about three weeks. I mean, it's only up until January, June 3rd or so. So don't start new things, but continue doing things, review things. Uh, try to be in the process of editing things out of your business or making a list of the things you want to do in your business and maybe trying it to start after. But because the eclipses are also here, they're just going to quicken things very fast. So just wait for it in a sense. Well, thanks a lot for uh, making it again. Uh, I'm sorry that last week I couldn't do the live Instagram, but thanks the Lord um, and his lady. We are doing it. Happy Mother's Day to all of you, future mother, past ma mother and present mothers. Um, we thank you for your sacrifice and your unconditional love. And I will see you next week on the eclipse with the help of the good Lord and the lady, of course. Thanks a lot.